Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. It is our annual heatwave edition when we are melting. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I am joined back from his holidays by my friend Russell Myers, Royal Editor of the Daily Mail. Nice to see you, Russell. All the better for seeing you, Anne. Oh, and we got to see each other in real life last week as well. That oh, was so exciting. MG, we did indeed. And uh, we even we even got a photo together. Photo to prove it is on the Instagram. <laughs> and we didn't manage the podcast from the pub, I'm afraid. No. But we did have a very nice time at the pub because the nice people at the press awards, the judges, declared us the winners of Lifestyle Podcast Way, of the year. way so, us, way us. Way, way for us. And thank you to everyone who has sent us messages of Congratulations, and I will, I'm just going to read what the judges said because it was a, a very nice thing to say. I couldn't have written a better description of what we try to do if I had done it myself. Lively discussions with a wide-ranging appeal, refreshingly informal, totally unstuffy, and a thoroughly modern take on all things royal. And it's funny too. Wait, hold, I mean, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, producer Dan, that was a tremendous piece of timing. And in fact, I must um, dig out the clip that we submitted for the awards because there were some real highlights of last year. That Dan I haven't heard. even heard it. It's uh, oh. it's your and Dan's handiwork. Dan put together well an absolute well cracker. So yes, yeah, huge thank you to everyone who sent us messages of congratulations yeah, and um, took much. pleasure in our success. We couldn't have done it without you, but I do have one small favour to ask you if you would be willing to, to pop over to iTunes and leave us a nice review over there and a superstar rating so that even more people can join our pod save the queen family for all the latest on the royals i mean they've been keeping us busy over the last um well i mean since forever but particularly over the last 18 months let's face it oh, lots gosh. to talk about today prince harry's book bit of sporting Has he got a book out i didn't i didn't know Has he got well, a bit of sporting fallout <laughs> i mean what's going to happen to the duke of edinburgh title various people out and about so you know loads and loads and loads to talk about and also, just to flag up it being the sort of summer break type season, we have a few exciting interviews and things in the works and on location visits coming up for future episodes. But you have me and Russell today and I think next week as well. And then we get into our specials season. So I'm very excited to bring you those. We have some absolute crackers to come. But first of all, Prince Harry's book. I mean, when I first saw this story, I just thought, I mean, this can't be true. This is just one of those like tittle tattle about the Sussexes stories that's come out. And then there it was, actual real PR statement, Penguin Random House. It's honored to announce that it will publish a fourth memoir by Prince Harry the Duke of Sussex and um, I haven't been practicing my Prince Harry voice and I think it was Prince Charles that I told uh, Russell to practice so it, um, we're not going to do a Prince Harry voice <laughs> but his um, what he said his quote in the press release was I'm writing this not as the prince I was born but as the man I have become I've worn many hats over the years both literally and figuratively and my hope is that in telling my story the highs and lows, the mistakes, the lessons learned, I can help show that no matter where we come from, we have more in common than we think. I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity to share what I've learned over the course of my life so far and excited for people to read a first-hand account of my life that's accurate and wholly truthful. So the Penguin described it as an intimate and heartfelt memoir from one of the most fascinating and influential global figures of our time. Mm. 
which you know i mean it's, it's a good signing for them it's a good get let's let's face it the proceeds it's will a good be going, get. Yeah, proceeds yeah. will be going to sh- charity Prince Harry is sharing for the very first time, I mean, Oprah might disagree with this, the definitive account of the experiences, adventures, losses, and life lessons that have helped shape him, um, covering his lifetime in the public eye from childhood to the present day. I mean, let's face it, there will be a lot of interesting things to talk about in there and to write about. Um, Prince Harry will offer an honest and captivating personal portrait, one that shows readers that behind everything they think they know lies an inspiring, courageous and uplifting human story. So, Russell, what was your reaction when you heard this news? How has it gone down and what are you what are you thinking about the whole situation? Well, I mean, my jaw is uh, is still on the floor. I think after reading the uh, the initial announcement, I'm just trying to see. see you know, uh, uh, fair enough. The the definitive account of the experience, adventures, losses, and life lessons that have shaped him. I think that uh, no doubt any account that he does give will give um give that give a story from the horse's mouth. Essentially, um, we've already had the uh, alleged collaboration of Harry and Meghan of Finding Freedom, which really didn't go to plan because um, it may have been a bestseller throughout the world, but I don't think, uh, I don't think it was well received, um, certainly not by the palace. And it's certainly, you know, when you, when you scratch the surface of it, there was a, an awful lot of um, inaccuracies and potential mistruths within it. So this is possibly why Harry has seen um, to uh, to come forward and uh, and to write his own account. But the fact that he's been working on it for over a year uh, in secret, not told any of the members of the royal family, they were certainly caught on the hop this week when it was announced and uh, and it was only announced because of an exclusive um, in an American publication that uh, then the publishers and Prince Harry had to rush out um, a couple of statements to to say that that yes this was happening um, and I can tell you that the uh, the rules are none to please I think that um, certainly people I was speaking to throughout the week have you know voiced their surprise at such a move uh, I mean a good line today I saw in um, in one of the British newspapers was. Um, you know, the, the former Duke of Windsor waited 15 years before he uh, spilt the beans on royal life and Harry has waited barely 15 months. And I think that tells you an awful lot about uh, about his character, that he's rather than um, going off into the sunset and seeking a life of privacy, then he's absolutely all too consumed with um, with what people think of him and uh, and what narrative is being painted of him, which is uh, completely at odds on what we were told for their reasons of uh, of leaving the royal family. So yeah, no doubt it will be absolutely fascinating. Um, an intimate and heartfelt memoir it might be from his side, but I can't imagine it will be um, very heartfelt from the people that will no doubt be mentioned within the book. And we're talking about the senior royals. We've already seen Harry making um, several statements and very hurtful statements at that about Prince Charles, the way that, um, he uh, he he brought up his sons in um, in the aftermath of their of their mother's death. Um, also, you know, the, the Queen came in for a bit of criticism about the the, the sort of trail of um, how how the rules were brought up, um, and, and certainly the rift between Prince William and uh, and Kate um, as well. Will will Harry clear up the, some of the um, myths, truths, or misinformation that he feels has been put out there towards um, his wife, Meghan, and Kate and their relationship? Will he set the record straight as to, to how he feels that his brother has treated him over the last few years? I mean, it's just absolutely extraordinary. And the fact that 
on the one hand, um, this couple, and you know, certainly Harry will say, every click of a camera, every time I see things written about me, uh, it takes me back to a very dark place. But then he's full, fully willing to put um, to put his uh, life story down uh, on paper is um, is another extraordinary event. But certainly, I, I don't know when the, the dust has settled whether I was too surprised about it really, because I just don't think that Harry can help himself without um, with, with, without being um, without being mentioned. And what else are you going to do in, going to do in lockdown? You write your book. That's what that's what you did. Well, I didn't write mine. <laughs> no, I didn't write. We did a podcast. We did an award-winning podcast. We did. We, we'll did, take we that. kept it on the road, and that is that is uh, that is an award in itself. Um, oh, I mean. I think there's, there's a lot of nervousness. Um, under, look, what have we had recently? Um, I'm trying to find my notes from the day. I, I think we had um, Oprah Winfrey interview, two-hour special. Then you had Oprah Winfrey documentary, The Me You Can See. Then you had Harry riding around on a, a bus with James Corden. Oh, that was first. About, well, that was first. So, yeah. So, um, let, 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 without without being in order. But, so, the podcast so, he did with, um, uh, I can't remember who, who was the um, armchair expert. I think was it armchair expert. So then James Corden, then Oprah Winfrey, then Oprah Winfrey again. Now you've got uh, you know, uh, and then the potential alleged collaboration with Finding Freedom authors. Now you've got him sitting down and writing a book. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, I, I don't know this for sure. I've seen I've seen some of the things written about it that uh, people trying to draw the dots of of how this introduction was made. And uh, it turns out George Clooney is making a film of the memoir of the ghostwriter stroke co-author of this memoir. So, uh, he's, I can't see his name at the moment. What's his name? J.R. Moringer. I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if that isn't slightly correct. Um, but he, he wrote Andre Agassi's controversial autobiography and that's when he, I mean, I haven't, again, I haven't-, I haven't Andre Agassi's autobiography is amazing. It's right, one of the best autobiographies I've right? read. And it was, and I remember at the time reading about how he was speaking about doing, doing crack cocaine before, I mean, was, uh, so crystal meth as well. I was talking about, just talking like about doing hard Difficult, times. really personal, um, you know, you know, the, the person behind the superstar, if you like. And if that is what is, you know, the, the ghostwriter manages to achieve with this, then I think it will be absolutely fascinating and a brilliant, a well, brilliant read, probably unless you're a member of the royal family. Unless you're a member of the royal family. However, I do think I do think there is. Um, let's see. I mean, I'll just pull this up. It's, yeah. So he talked spoke about the uh, royal sources said. Um, uh, sorry, Harry's suggestion that he would be writing about his mistakes and the lessons he has learned. Um, you know, has obviously raised eyebrows because whilst he may have made certain apologies in the past i mean we're talking about wearing a nazi uniform to a uh, to a um to a party several years ago uh, racist language that he used to one of his um, comrades in the army that we've all seen and spoken about many times when he was taught and I, th I think this was part of the discussion wasn't it when he was talking about um the, the issues that he felt that Megan had you know, that walked a day in her shoes, that, that sort of rhetoric, yeah? And I think there was a lot, a bit of a call for him to say, listen, I've made mistakes in the past. I've used racist language. I've done silly things. And and now I've grown up. And, and especially now I'm married to uh, a mixed race woman. I've, I've, I, I think I've behaved, you know, appallingly at those, at those times. So maybe this is the opportunity for him to, to, to have some contrition in his actions. 
if that is the case, then then that will I imagine that will be largely applauded for those um, for those efforts. However, I just can't. Nobody's going to come off unscathed here. Maybe this is some sort of therapy for Harry. He feels as though he can sort of unburden himself, but nobody in the royal family is going to come off unscathed. And I think that is uh, that will tell you why there is such a degree of nervousness about this book. Um, and listen, the people in the palace will say Harry is not duty bound to tell us what he's doing at any stage. But obviously made those promises of um, upholding the, um, what's it, not say the ethics of the Queen, upholding the values, upholding the values of Her Majesty the Queen. So is this in keeping with upholding the values? Well, on the one hand, you could say, well, he's being true to himself. He's using it as a, a form of therapy. He's doing it for charity. It's altruistic. And on the other hand, is trashing your family? Maybe this won't happen. We're assuming that that's what. But maybe, but but this is this has happened. This is happening. You know, sitting there and saying that Prince Charles didn't. Um, his his upbringing at the hand of Prince Charles was was unfavourable, and that he he needed to break the cycle and stuff like. Listen, I've written a story today actually, was in the papers today about how Prince Charles is concerned. For, for Harry's chosen path is how it was put to me. And the, and the, and the issue here is, you know, and, and I'm, 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 this isn't verbatim, but it's, it's in the piece and it's um, one, what the person I spoke to said, listen, Charles could be accused of being old school at the best of times, right? And certainly sometimes with his parenting, but he has always, always done the best or has he has seen the best by those boys. He loves them very much. He has a good relationship with them. So why is, and this is, again, I'm quoting from the person who's, who's close to this, why is, why is Harry seemingly hell-bent on, on, um, on destroying his father's relationship as he is preparing to be king? And he's, um, and he's obviously worked very, very hard over the last couple of decades to, to, reinv- to reinvent himself, I think. And I think that Charles is, is hugely respected, not only in the country, but throughout the world. Um, not only by monarchists, I think that so a lot of people think that he's made great strides in the environmental sphere. Um, he's likable. I mean, I don't think you could say Prince Charles isn't likable. And, and, and sure, he's probably made mistakes of his, um, of his own admission. But um, it's, it's just a bizarre tact that I think that Harry is following. But like you said, we, uh, we don't know what's going to be in the book. We can only presume at this stage and uh, we'll, we'll have to wait until next year. Going back to a couple of things you said earlier, so thinking about the Duke of Windsor and him waiting 15 years, I mean, it's fair to say the news cycle operates a lot faster these days, and uh, Prince Harry has definitely sped things up by jumping straight to doing the book. Um, When you talked about the sort of mistruths and inaccuracies in Finding Freedom, is that from a Harry, even Harry and Meghan's side would see them as being not a fair representation of what they think the case is, or is it things that are palpably sort of demonstrably inaccurate or is it things that the royal family think are wrong all three all three i think because harry and megan have have, have said in megan's court case that things were inaccurate of that in that book um that there there's certainly things that the royal family are are questioning um within within the book and um and what's the other one? So the royal family, Harry and Meghan, and, and just like and, and just holy wrong. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, it, dep- it depends. I don't think um, 
you know, the finer details of what Meghan and Harry had to drink. And I think that they've been disputed or whatever. I think there's a certain, a certain level of artistic license uh, within the book. But um, yeah, definitely, they're definitely the roles. And we know that Harry and Meghan thought that um, there was some inaccuracies, mm. although, they didn't, it, although they didn't collaborate with it. So, you know, depends who you believe, doesn't it? One interesting little tiny phrase in Prince Harry's statement, which I just wanted to draw people to, pe to people's mm. attention because it, might not be something that um, has sort of spread outside the UK, but the use of the phrase more in common, that I think has, um, it, like it resonated with me because it fits with the narrative around, or sort of the work that has been done in the wake of the death of Joe Cox, who is an MP who was shot during the Brexit campaign by a sort of a far-right extremist. But basically to say that even when we have our, and try about trying to bring communities together and say that we can be a better society and let's talk to each other and be kind to each other and we have more in more in common and it that sort of tag phrase has attached to the movement that has has been around sort of trying to continue joe cox's work essentially that it shouldn't be we shouldn't be divided along like strict you know left wing right wing lines and you know we've seen in the, the uk we've seen in the us that politics has become increasingly polarized but underneath it all we are people and we do have more in common than divides us so i just i just thought that was a really interesting i mean it, it might not even be conscious but it was no, something that well, you, struck me do you know what it really struck me and i'm i'm going to put my neck out here I, I, I was quite offended by it and i don't know whether this is i was I, it stirred quite an emotion in me to be honest because i really that that phrase really resonates with joe cox and for our global listeners if you don't know who joe cox was she was a fantastic campaigning mp who was brutally murdered by um by I mean, by homegrown terrorists, would you say? I mean, he was by fascist, to, essentially, yeah, by, and 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 shot, or in her constituency. And her sister has recently won her old seat and had to come up against, you know, horrific um, abuse. And uh, I mean, sort of charged. It's it's such a charged atmosphere. And 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 the reason why that phrase is so important is because. Joe Cox st stood up within Parliament and she and she said, "We have, I'm going to mess up the quote now, but we have much more in co there are much more in common than divides us." Sorry, I'm. What's the? It's something yeah, like that. Yeah, that that's much more that's in common than divides us, right? And so that that's it's. And then I started thinking, well, is it just right that someone you know from a working class background to. Um, to, you know, who is fighting for the common good? Is it is it only right that someone of her background should say that, and not someone in such a privileged position as Harry, who obviously does a lot of charity work? But I just I just felt that for him to say, listen, well, we've got loads we've got loads in common, whilst earning tens of millions of dollars by doing documentaries, arguably of no necessary discernible talent in that field um and and also living in an 11 dollar 14 million dollar mansion flying around on private jets preaching about this that and the other is is that is that correct i don't I think that's felt... the issue i don't for me i don't think it, i don't think it's a socio-demographic issue because ultimately underneath it all we're all people who you know care about our 
parents or our children or our families or we care about the world around us or you know i mean we see the way the royal family whether they are active working royals or previously working royals they they do connect with people when they talk they are they do hold those conversations and you know for those moments it doesn't matter whether one person's living in a palace and one person is a former drug addict they 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 talk on a human level for me it was more that he's saying we have more in common while in the middle of this massive row with his family where you know the i mean i remember one of our listeners basically saying that the oprah interview blew up the bridges and to me this essentially this book depending on how it comes out and obviously we don't know exactly what the content will be in there but given how hard he has been in what he has said since you can't imagine him rowing back very far you would you would think that it would be more detail or expanding on it or more justification of why he felt that way so having blown up the bridges with the oprah interview it's almost like this is going to drop a nuclear bomb on the remains like how how can he i mean maybe he doesn't want to rebuild the relationship with his family. I mean, when he was talking on Oprah, it sounded like... I don't think he'll have a choice. I don't think he'll have a choice soon, right? I mean... mean, On Oprah, it sounded like he did want... He did want to take some space, take some time, work out where he was, where they were, and and reframe, you know, rejoin that relationship. But each time... I mean, I can understand that it shouldn't all be on him to try and rebuild that relationship because clearly he feels very hurt by things that have happened and very let down and you can't you can't one-sidedly try to rebuild that relationship it it does need to come from both sides but the royal family aren't I mean, there are always people who say, yes, the royal family aren't saying it, but their sources are and they're, you know, they're leaking out this, that and the other. So, but the sort of the heavy detail of how difficult things are does all seem to be coming from from Harry's side. So I think that is that is difficult. And I think, you know, this whole, like, this is going to be accurate and wholly truthful. This is going to be honest. And it is, but it will be his perspective and it will come from his point of view. This is not me saying his point of view is not valid, but we have already heard the palace's reaction to the Oprah interview being, well, the Queen's reaction, actually, recollections may vary. And essentially, you know, a memoir, it is his memory and how he how he felt about those incidents and how he recalls them. I mean, I, d- I don't know whether he has kept a diary through his life that he's got that to sort of refer back to as a as a memory prompt or whether it's how he looks back on things now but i think you know it that is it will be his personal perspective and his first hand account of how he sees his life and to that perspective it will be accurate and it will be truthful and that is that will be how he sees things but i cannot imagine that it will be sort of undisputed if you like and then the other thing that i wonder i mean he's obviously not going to run this past the royal family as to whether he's got permission to say any of this stuff but i don't know i don't know what the rules are in terms of the ministry of defense because if he's talking about his time in afghanistan Mm. he's no i mean he's no longer a serving member of the armed services so maybe he has more freedom but i feel like there possibly are you know sort of restrictions potentially in terms of what is allowed to be done there or has it has to be approved and i feel like 
Possibly at the moment, Prince Harry has more respect for the armed services as an institution than he does for the royal family as an institution. I mean, he's not come out and, you know, <laughs> poured absolute vitriol over, over them. I mean, he's talked warmly about how it was a real sort of making of him, that experience being in the army. So whether he would be more inclined to let them run their eye over the, the military related chapters rather than put anything by the royal family. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, goodness I me. Think you're, no, you are right in that point. Just to conclude, you are right in that point in the, in that the, um, the MOD would, would, know, would probably request some details of what he's writing because um, they, they were at pains to keep him safe. So it would probably be a mark of mutual respect that, uh, that I think that Harry would probably want to, um, want to abide by but i don't think he'll be sharing any of it with his family because we'll wait we'll have to wait and see it i mean the other the other argument which is in you know was made to me and some other papers today have made a b bigger deal out of it is um is the fact that it's going to be released in late 2022 is you know could it torpedo the the whole um, platinum jubilee celebrations is he going to be invited back if there's because what normally happens with these books right some of it will get trailed some of it will get leaked i mean i've seen an author royal author today tweet that uh, she's been told by a well-informed source that it will send focus an awful lot on uh, on diana um and her death and who he blames for her death so i mean yeah, this is sort of dragging out and raking over a lot of old coals um that I don't think William will be t necessarily happy about that because they've they've often said that they would do one interview about their mother's death and her legacy and that would be it. And so if he's now potentially going to discuss it in a book, one may continue it's, to it's, talk about their mum's impact though, and and it, but it's I guess it's but not but not there's not no fire and fury really. I think I don't yeah. think that William will be speaking about the sort of aspect of. That's why he was so angry when he was delivering that message about Panorama. Mm. You know, just saying that enough is enough now. I think that they've they've seen, read, and heard enough. So, um, anyway, I think uh, <laughs> we'll have to watch this space, won't we? There's, there's certainly we will. We'll be, we'll be talking about it, no doubt. Well, over the next fair year. play, fair play to Page Six who got the exclusive, yeah, and skin, I, looked, and I looked at it and I was like, hmm, I'm not sure about this, and then utterly, utterly right. So um, yeah, great scoop and a very nervous and very long wait, I would imagine, for the royal family. And who knows what could happen in the meantime? You know, obviously we we hope that the Queen will still be in charge then, but you know, you, these things are not certain. And mm. in terms of like you know making your granny's life tricky when she's in her you know in her mid 90s very much so very much probably so. do without him anyway and I, I suspect william writing the foreword for his Earthshot book will ca cause rather less of a stir that's been um just announced <laughs> most probably, yeah. recently um megan's got uh working on a new netflix show called pearl about a young girl's heroic adventure she as she learns to step into her power and finds inspiration from influential women throughout history. 
Um, and the quote from Megan is, like many girls her age, our heroine Pearl is on a journey of self-discovery as she tries to overcome life's daily challenges. I'm thrilled that Archwell Productions partnered with the powerhouse platform of Netflix and these incredible producers will together bring you this new animated series which celebrates extraordinary women throughout history. David Furnish and I have been eager to bring this special series to light and I'm delighted we're able to announce it today. And I, I, mean, I think it is exciting that um, highlighting women from history because they haven't always had a fair crack so that I mean one of the initiatives that's going on in the UK at the moment so um, people who've visited may have noticed that you see blue plaques around on sort of famous houses where famous people lived and they are overwhelmingly male and also obviously only overwhelmingly white and there is a movement on at the moment to try and fix that and to recognize people of color and to recognize brilliant women and to try and um sort of boost representation there so having those sort of role models and that kind of thing is interesting um anyway have you noticed any anything in particular with the netflix no, I, stuff for us? i really like the uh, the sound of this um i think i think this is a, it's, it could be great i'm all for um the uh the, the process of it or the sort of basis of it um uplifting women talking about those uplifting women who have had an effect on her life or or, or could have an effect on little girls lives seeing this and um, the only other thing i did see which is um the fact that how long had megan been working on the show for there was a bit of uh, a few headlines i saw that she'd been in talks for for two years before she and harry had left the royal family i mean is that even that surprising if she was I think that they, they put the wheels in motion long before they um, they did leave or they did pull the trigger. It wasn't just cooked up over their uh, their six week seven week holiday in in Canada, was it? So they'd obviously said that they were going to leave. And um, they had that holiday with um, Elton John's in the was that the summer after they got married in, or the summer after that? So because yeah. David Furnish is Elton John's husband. Yes, yes. Involved well, in listen, this is, they probably were working along. I don't think you know. Is that a criticism? You know, no. Hopefully, I'm you know we're all, we're all trying to work on projects. And 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 so why wouldn't she be able to do that? You've got Fergie who's been writing about Budgie the helicopter, um, kids stories, and and the like. So I, I think that. Would she have been able to do that as a royal? It's I don't see why not. And is particularly I mean, given to earn money out of it, but you you probably yeah. would have been able to do it and do it uh, do it for charity. But yeah, I, th I think it's a great project. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And um, before we move away from the Sussexes, there's been a bit of, a little bit of chatter about Lilibet's christening and whether she might get christened over here. And I mean, this was all before the the book stuff came out, and I thought this all sounded somewhat questionable as well both from a you know the the um why we'd be likely to get details of that given the lack of details around archie's christening and the the row and all of that palaver but also um pandemic travel difficult um you know traveling with two small children difficult relations with the family difficult albeit you know occasions like that as we talked about in um, relation to the duke of Edinburgh's funeral you know family occasions are an opportunity to bring family together but i don't i don't imagine if they did get together for a christening it would be a particularly joyous affair at the moment it'd be a bit more like an eastenders thing with sandwiches <laughs> being thrown at each other pork pies over the room um i mean i do i think that um they will want lilibet christened 
in the UK. She, you know, her her great grandmother is the, I think it's the called the she's the supreme governor of the Church of England. So surely, the Church of England, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, our American listeners, does the Church of England exist in the states? Well, surely not. Well, there all sorts, probably, and probably various different denominations. We look forward to listeners getting in touch and correcting yeah. us. Well, yeah, my, please my... do correct me on that. But yeah, are you, one would imagine that they'll want to come back to, to Windsor. Certainly, I'd, I'd seen reports saying that uh, Harry had um, had told his family that he did want to come back. Um, I'm not sure. I think I think it's a case of certainly not the moment, um, not, not this summer, um, but possibly, I mean... There was there was talk that um, you know Harry might want to come back for Christmas, so we'll we'll see. That could be a double whammy, couldn't it? You could uh, you could have her christened, and uh, and then you could have you know Christmas with the family. But listen, it's my comedy strange. present for you, Granny. It's a first draft of my book. Yeah, definitely. Oh, hold, hold on to your hats. Okay. Well, lots of lots of things to watch this space with the Sussexes. Right. Lots more to talk about as well. And. Few listeners have got in touch. This was a story that first emerged in the Sunday Times about where the Duke of Edinburgh title may or may not go. So, dear Anne and Russell, thank you so much for the podcast. I listen every week and it is always so enjoyable. Hurrah. Thanks. That's lovely. I'm writing regarding the news of Prince Charles possibly withholding the Duke of Edinburgh title from Prince Edward in the like, in the, got my need to put my teeth in. In light of the lack of public support for Camilla being styled queen or queen consort, is it possible that he is planning to retain the title to use when he ascends the throne in order to style her Princess Camilla, Duchess of Edinburgh, as a nod to his father and perhaps a consolation prize for her not getting to be called queen? However it plays out, I'm sad for Edward, Edward and Sophie if it turns out to be true. That's from Georgia in the US. And similarly, Susan Snyder says, I just read a comment on Twitter that this person had read, where, question mark, Prince Charles wants to save the Duke of Edinburgh title to give to Prince Louis. Would be interested to know if Russell has heard that at all or if it was mere speculation. HM Queen Laura was also wondering on a similar line. And we have had lots of other great questions from listeners about other things, which I am saving up for a rainy day because there is so much to talk about this week. But thank you for sending them and do keep sending them and we will try to get through as many of them as we can in the course of our episodes but Russell talk us through the Duke of Edinburgh situation because I mean since Prince Philip died the working assumption well even before Prince Philip died the working assumption was that Prince Edward the Earl of Wessex who has been you know hugely involved in the Duke of Edinburgh awards um apart from anything else would um, in due course take on the title and that in fact when he was talked about this time I think he talked about it in one in the interview that he did recently about Prince Philip you know sort of broaching the conversation with him which is a weird thing to do anyway like essentially when I am gone will you have my title um, and it being a strange moment um, but now there's suggestions that maybe that is not what Prince Charles has planned for that title. Well, well, certainly it's it's come as quite a surprise to be honest, because that had always been the understanding, and certainly uh, um, as we were speaking just before coming on, you said that uh, it reminded me it was announced when they were married. So that 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 issue has always been at the forefront. Um, that once the Duke of Edinburgh had uh, had departed, that it would be bestowed upon um, the Earl of Wessex and. One may say, 
you know, what's in a title, but it's obviously something that is very important to him. He's, t- he's done a wonderful job with the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. I think that uh, people across the board, certainly within the organisation that I've spoken to and and across royal circles would say he's really made a huge success of it. They've um, if carried on the great work, obviously do- done by Prince Philip over several decades, but it's he's made it his own and, um, and taking it to... To, to a next level there's certainly new new um new things within duke of edinburgh is, is always evolving the actual um the actual organization as well as the qualifications so one may wonder why this this tact um may be taken by charles and does it fit into the whole slim down monarchy i'm not too sure whether i buy that because certainly the wessexes are going to have to be doing more and I think that what we are seeing, we're seeing them do more. We're seeing them get more coverage. Um, they they seem to be quite happy about that. There was a, a fantastic article by Camilla Tomley in the Telegraph magazine recently where they were saying, you know, they get it. They get why people are a bit more interested in them. Um, and they're sort of willing to not step up to the plate until they've been doing enough, but willing to have a bit more front-facing role. And definitely when you saw the... Um, the Magnificent Seven, as they were dubbed at Windsor Castle. Do you remember it last mm-hmm. December? After the train tour. After the train tour, when we had the Queen with all, you know, the seven who who were the, uh, sort of the new firm, really, when, uh, when the, the Sussexes have gone. So I still don't know whether this is going to happen because I think that... Um, I haven't heard the Prince Louis aspect of it, but uh, it just seems be rather churlish I don't, I don't know if there's a reason for it and certainly why would why would uh why would why would everything go against president maybe it's been discussed and charles has said that um yeah he didn't think it was necessarily appropriate for one reason or another but i, I still think um edward edward will will get it to be honest okay well again not going to get any definitive answers on that anytime soon i don't think so i I think it's a bit of a guessing game and i can can understand why it may have been mooted but um but i I still i still think it will happen at some stage but we're still waiting for the um we spoke about earlier all the patronages what's happening with all the patronages yeah i was told that this was all done and dusted like in where are we beginning of the year this is this is all sorted. So I don't know why we haven't had any announcements about it, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, one um, one listener flagged up that it was rugby league challenge cup final at the weekend. It would have been a great time would have been to a announce. Great, great time, yeah, yeah. And then I heard on the you know I was listening on the radio and they were doing you know countdown to the rugby league world cup um, and also the big kickoff there and the, so the drive for tickets, which start from about two pound fifty or something, which is presumably for um for kids. But either way, you can get a ticket for the Rugby League World Cup at a very cheap price. Um, so we'll we'll do our bit. Maybe maybe Russell, maybe we should make a bid for it. Should we go for being patrons of the rugby league? We could do that. I want to be Duke I want to be Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> and I will not accept anything less. <laughs> Well, fair, fair enough. Um, going back to sport, right? So we've we've been jo- we jolly and, and happy. So the sport was, um, you know, England. We d- we managed not to jinx it for the semi final. England did qualify for the final, mm. and then it didn't go so well. Like for three minutes, it was great, and we scored an amazing goal, <laughs> and then it all went horribly wrong, and we inevitably lost on penalties. Um, 
So that was what happened on the pitch. William sent a message after the match. Heartbreaking. Congratulations, Azuri, on a great victory. England, you've all come so far. But sadly, this time it wasn't our day. You can all hold your heads high and be so proud of yourselves. I know there's more to come. W. Um, and Kate had managed to hot foot it over from Wimbledon and was there. And George was there. And it was all very, that was all very lovely. However, Mike Tyndall was not in the Royal Box. He was in the crowd dealing with a fight because a scrap. I mean, the, so what happened on the pitch? Like England, England gave it everything, came up a bit short, but you know they represented us very well, and we can be proud of what they did. For a small number of England fans, I mean, quite a lot of England fans who basically stormed into Wembley somehow and got through the security without tickets and absolute mayhem absolutely atrocious scenes and then obviously what followed on social media after the the three black players had they were the ones who had been unlucky enough to miss their penalties which has happened to any number of footballers over the years what has rarely happened is the absolute horrific level of sort of racist abuse that they were then subjected to um which we'll touch on in a second but mike tindall having to deal with a scrap in the crowds essentially i mean i to be fair, if there was a member of the royal family you wanted to have as a bouncer, I think Mike Tyndall would probably be your first choice, uh, former, former... Or Princess Anne. <laughs> Princess Anne. <laughs> right in there. Set the dogs on you. You'd be... <laughs> no problem. But um, so Mike Tyndall, there with Zara, and says a guy was there the whole time, smashed out of his face, literally didn't watch any of the game anyway. He was just too busy shouting at supporters that they should be standing on their feet ends up getting into a fight with another one that's straight behind my seat. It got to a stage where this guy literally was trying to pile this guy in the face, pile being like punch, essentially. There was a kid next to us. There was a kid on the other side crying because he couldn't see the game because of all the guys stood in the galleyway. And it just, I just pulled these guys apart, said to one of them, what are you doing? Just what are you doing? And, you know, he wandered off, blood all over him. The guy on the floor had blood all over him. And it's just like, that is not what football should be like for anybody. And so that was Mike Tindall talking on his his podcast, Good, the Bad and the Rugby, which has, as we have previously discussed, as great a name as Pod Save the Queen. Um, but just like absolutely horrendous scenes at the football. And then Prince William, you know, I think people, we so there's a number of the England footballers who have been outspoken and tried to change the dial on um, racism and been been calling it out um, and the, you know the players that missed young players largely Marcus Rashford who's done huge work sort of social good hugely admired um, has done work on sort of you know get food for children and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people would rather doing the government's job basically yeah. there's a lot of people would rather have him as prime minister than Absolutely. the man that we've got in charge um, so there's Marcus Rashford Bakayo Sako who was you know he's a teenager he's like a, he's a kid and Jaden Sancho who basically him and Marcus Rashford they'd only come on as substitutes and then they'd done the, done the penalties and it had, it, it had not gone well but they're they're brilliant players they'd all made huge contributions during the tournament and ultimately I mean even if they played terribly throughout nobody deserves racist you know racist abuse just shouldn't happen it's just no sickening awful. I mean as a, and I think that's a William well I'm echoing William's sentiments he said he was sickened by the racist abuse that was directed at the England football players following the final and um, and, uh, and this is something we've spoken about in the past, certainly William has, uh, you know, has said in his role as um, as president of the FA, enough is enough. I think that's a, I wrote a story back in February that 
you know, he'd, he'd called an emergency meeting with figureheads and campaigners to, to try and work out how to set up, um, you know, a, bit, a big multi-agency partnership to, to try and stamp out this, uh, this racism. And, and the, the thing is that it is a minority of idiots. And unfortunately, these um, morons are, we end up talking about it, it's seen, and it, I say minority, but there was an awful lot of it. And I think that ultimately that it's just, it's just outrageous. And I, th I do actually believe that in his role, well, not, I mean, as his role as a future king, but in his role as, as um, a president of the FA, William, is absolutely disturbed by this and definitely does want to try and tackle the issue and make the big social media giants sit up and uh, and take take note of it and there's a lot of argument that you should have like you know we have on twitter or the instagram having a blue tick that you've had to verify your identity well why why isn't why isn't that the rules I mean, I, I still don't get it. If this is this is obviously an issue of our time, racism has been taken from the terrorist terraces of a football field. It was largely stamped out. I think is um, is right to say. I think that the, the you know the great work of campaigners like Kick It Out that uh, we've worked with in the past and and William and, and the FA have worked with. Certainly um, in the UK, like massive in, in the UK for sure, for sure. You know, and I think still that, happened, um, but it was. Yeah, you know, it's back it, in the eighties where it was culture, bananas it was being thrown on the pitch and things. To Absolutely. now, where that if if there is bad behaviour, it will tend to be called out by the people it be, around yeah, it and reported. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's socially unacceptable, essentially. Well, and 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 now this is is behind. You know, the the the, the veil of anonymity is such that um, pe people think that they can just go onto social media and and rant um, and vent this uh, this sickening racist abuse. I think the, the players themselves handled it remarkably. Um, again, never walked a day in their in their shoes. Um, but when you, you speak to col columnists that we have at the Mirror, um, people like our good friend Darren Lewis has written extensively on this subject as well. And I think that he feels really, really passionate about it. And I think that uh, hopefully we will start to see a serious change if, um, if people like Prince William do actually use their their position within both worlds uh, to try and to try and force the um, the uh, the social media giants to do something, because that's something that they were doing with the with the kids bullying, and I think that this is you know this is a, another issue of our time that needs our urgent attention. So verifiable identity type question. Yeah. One thing that does always come up when William speaks out in the sphere of football on racism is okay, this is all very well, but aren't you a bit of a hypocrite for not? calling it out when this was happening on essentially the Kensington Palace social media channels when there was abuse being levelled at Meghan and nothing was nothing was said about it officially by him or you know I mean Harry obviously called out the treatment but I think principally by the media I mean maybe he did call out the social media side of things as well so it'd been the in the early days yeah no um, Harry, Harry certainly did I thought, but, but you're, William you're, has been quiet on the, yeah, that yeah, side of thing and both why of why what do you they, think that? I don't, why? There's there's no excuses there, and they should have called it out. You know, once that was all over, I mean, I I think it's lessened um, somewhat. I mean, I, when I joined this job three and a half years ago, whatever it was, um, I was staggered certainly with the vitriol and levels of abuse on social media directed at. Um, 
uh, whether it was Meghan Markle or whether it was other individuals arguing amongst themselves or you know, just slamming each other. It was very, very unsavory. I do think it is a better, better place now. Or maybe I'm just shut sh- shut off to it. I block a lot of people. However, I don't, I don't think that really happens on the on, on Instagram, or, which it was happening on Clarence House uh, Royal Family and um, and Kensington Palace. Certainly, that Clarence House had to turn off comments trolling comments that were being mean about Camilla at uh, so a uh, very recent stage when we had all the uh, sort of Diana anniversaries and stuff. So listen, it's, um, it's an issue. It's a social, it's a, I don't have the answers. I'm sure social media giants don't have the answers at the moment, but um, it definitely needs to be brought up into the wider conversation. And, and certainly, you know, the point you make um, is a valid one. But shout out to the good actors in this space who are aware that, essentially that there was going to be incoming horribleness to these three players and like right let's get together we're going to go to their instagram pages and we're going to spend our evening reporting all of these awful comments so that they don't you know to to try and essentially moderate moderate instagram for instagram given that they were not managing it so um Mm. you know check out marcus rashford and Jaden sancho and bukaya saka because they have all put really um in my, like really sort of personal statements reflecting on um, both the experience of missing the penalty and the experience of receiving that abuse and also the experience of receiving the support. So I think it's um, very interesting and very um, really quite moving to read. So anyway, that's we're done with we're done with football updates for those of you who cannot stand football. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it'll be back. I mean, West Ham will be back playing again soon. So Russell, the mighty hammers, the mighty hammers. Um, will we see anyone at the Olympics, Russell? I mean, we've, I know we've seen Princess Princess Anne and Prince William have um, sent some good luck messages are the one, ones I've seen. But there was a question from a listener. I'm very sorry. I've managed to lose um, where, where it came into me. But thank you for sending it. Do you, do you think we will see anybody attending the Olympics I think Jill Biden is going for um, representing the USA I don't I don't think she's competing in the pole vault or anything I think she's just um, you know cheer squad but I mean I can't I can't see that any of the royals will go to Japan no they won't surely not I mean you've got a quarantine for maybe 10 days or whatever it's uh, they they just won't go there's going to be no spectators there the families aren't even allowed in so unfortunately the royals won't won't be in Tokyo themselves which is a great shame it's a great shame for the, the competitors a great shame for the the supporters of all of them um i did like the uh the the chat this week um prince william had with lauren price from the team gb team did you see this she's a no, fantastic individual she is a team gb boxing hopeful um but she's also played football for wales and she's also been a junior Taekwondo champion. She won gold at the World Champions, European Games, reigning Commonwealth Games champion. This is just boxing. And uh, and she's, she's it's, incredible, it's an incredible video. I wrote a piece about it, and I'm sure if you Google it, you can see, it's Lauren Prince, sorry, you can see um, her interview with Prince William in the, uh, in the grounds of Kensington Palace when she's talking about how she had to juggle her training with being a taxi driver and also not being able to train properly. So she was sort of bench pressing and squatting wheelie bins to keep up with her boxing. And she's, um, you know, it's team GB boxing 
director Rob McCracken, who is uh, Anthony Joshua's coach, was obviously speaking about her in um, such glowing terms. He said she's a phenomenal athlete, a real model role model for the females, certainly at GB Boxing and the team. She's in a great position now to fulfil her potential, which is winning an Olympic medal. And um, and uh, and William was sort of wishing her well, wishing all the athletes well, and uh, and Princess Anne getting involved as well. A former a former Olympian herself, of course. Um, competed in 1976 games held in Montreal and she was just sort of saying about the sort of preparations that she remembers doing for her own games and obviously this will be very uh, very I don't know if she was actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> lifting lifting horses probably for, as, a, as a weights bench but she was um she was talking about you know the, the very very different but its importance is not different for you so savor it above all and enjoy it. And the Olympics kick off on Friday Hopefully. until Sunday. Well, hopefully, I mean, they are in the balance, aren't they? This is the problem. Well, good luck to everybody competing at the Olympics and everybody trying to put it on and make it happen as well, because that is a big logistical operation at the best of times and in COVID even more so. And, you know, long shot. But if anybody happens to be listening in the Olympic Village, then do let us know, because we would love to hear from you. But anyway, yeah, that's a good, shot. good luck. And if it if it's on the telly, then enjoy, enjoy watching it. Um, final sporting update. We saw Beatrice looking quite pregnant and very glamorous at Wimbledon in her... In the pub white white dress with with the husband Edo and so it's lovely to see her looking so well um and Kate made it out of Covid jail in time for the final she got she got both days both the women's and the men's final so great weekend and, and um and she's taking taking on the big job now as well she's gonna be you know she is yeah, well, it's, uh, it was nice. I think Wimbledon was great this year. I enjoyed watching both the finals. Um, sure, Kate did too. And uh, yeah, out of COVID jail. <laughs> okay, There's a lot of people in COVID jail at the moment. They're calling it a pin pandemic here in the UK. Or the, no, it's the United Kingdom. <laughs> very good, very good. So, so yeah, so there we go. So that's what's been going on there. Right, what else have we got? So there's a few other different bits, little bits and pieces that have been going on. Um, so there's talk... Oh, let's talk about, let's talk about um, Charles and Camilla and the Isles of Silly. Oh, yeah, that's I, feel, I, feel very, I feel very silly because I could have gone to the Isles of Silly. Oh, well, that is a major error, Russell. You should have gone. It is fabulous. I mean, any time any of the Royals of... go there, I do show off about how yeah, fab it is. I, because... Really? God, I mean, it looks amazing. I mean, I, I've... I was actually, it was actually one of the places I was potentially going to propose to my wife. Because oh. well, it's so beautiful. It, Having never been, I, I went there for my honeymoon and it was yeah, fabulous. It's gorgeous. We've been Absolute. back since. I hope, Don't so Chel at the moment, the big talk on the Isles of Silly, they've got, they've got Wally the Walrus visiting. So the Walrus oh, yeah. who got lost, theoretically, after falling asleep on an iceberg. And I think, where did he end up first? Was he in Tenby first or was he Ireland first? Anyway, he's been various different places where he really shouldn't be, but he's taken a bit of a liking to St. Mary's there, only, which is one Fair of the, was the main island. But there's, um, there's a lot of boats there which are not quite so happy to be visited okay. by Wally the Walrus, who is quite enormous. They've built him a special little mattress that he could go live on out in the harbour. So they're just quite warm for him here, isn't it? Warm for him, yeah. So anyway, so we're having we're having a heat wave, everybody. By the way, <laughs> we very, very nice weather. It's getting getting warm. I've had to shut the windows of my bedrooms because we're under the flight path today, and there was too much aeroplane noise. So the temperature is gradually going up, but it's fine. Um, so yes, I mean. 
Arles City is a great place to go at the moment. And the pictures there on the Clarence House page look fabulous. And you mentioned that they'd been chatting with um, school kids as well, Russell. Well, that was what I loved. I just thought there was one clip that I'd saw with Charles talking to these kids at uh, one of the academies. And there must have been... I can never guess how old a kid is, six, seven. But um, they were they were just talking to him about the perils of slugs and snails in the garden, in the vegetable patch. And uh, obviously, oh, I nearly did the voice there. I haven't quite perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, he was saying, you know, oh god, they're just awful, awful beasts, aren't they? And then you have to you have to get rid of them, and they just wreck the vegetable patches. And then he was speaking to some of the kids about recycling, and I just thought. You know, he was doing it as though the cameras weren't there and putting the kids super at ease. And you can imagine that this is how he treats his grandchildren. Um, and I think that that was just rather lovely. And props to him for still turning up in a full whistle and flute because he was wearing a full suit in the baking heat. It was 84 degrees. I don't know why I do Fahrenheit. That's, tw that's 29 in old money. Although he didn't, um, new money. 29's new money, isn't no, it? No, new money, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't but know. You didn't we, fancy... no, we've always done Celsius, haven't we? It's the Americans that do Fahrenheit. No, like in the really? olden days. Yeah, in the same way that we used to have like shillings and pence and pounds and stone. We like, did we, Fahrenheit. I'm sure oh, we, we always Fahrenheit. do Fahrenheit. Because I think I was born a couple of generations too, too late. <laughs> I should have been born in like the 70s. Cool Prince Charles was less impressed with the idea of getting on a bus the other day because he would have to mm. put his mask on in the heat. I mean, who can blame him? But um, some people are trying to make a bit of a deal out of it because he was saying, I think we've been told, listen, Charles isn't going to wear a mask unless he's told to in a government setting, which is fair enough. I think that double vaxxed. Um, Update on the rules for people not living in oh, yes, England. Well, right. So, so 19, we, we... 19th of July, no, freedom. yes, Monday, Freedom Day, in inverted mm. commas. Um, mm. Ironically, the Prime Minister was having to self-isolate after being contacted, having been pinged. Um, but, yeah, so in theory, everything's back to normal and it's no longer kind of law that you have to wear masks in places and it's down to personal choice and where you, you know, where you... There are, some, there are some places which will still ask you to or make you and obviously transport is one of those places where they can essentially require you to before you before you are allowed to use your ticket um but it's, well, it's they were in exeter and the, and the bus, choice now. the bus company well it wasn't on it in exeter the bus company said it's a requirement and they are making people wear with a mask but it was it was very hot and he was in his suit and he probably would look like a big red tomato if he was on a bus for longer than five <laughs> five minutes he i mean he does struggle in the heat with his fingers and toes anyway doesn't he like we've seen in oh yes i've forgotten that um, or india rather so um the so yeah i mean oh, fair play to him I don't, I don't think he's popping down the shops is he so he, he doesn't need to to get his mask and he's so we will... outside in the gardens so it does mean that we will start to see um, members of the royal family at engagements when they are indoors not necessarily wearing a mask depending on how busy something is what proximity it is and or they whether are they're requested asked to. or they exactly and i think with they're asked to then of course they've uh, they'll be polite and um and respect the wishes of their hosts indeed um two other quick things to mention that happened while we were not recording so queen visited coronation street always fabulous to see her on the set of a soap and obviously she inevitably goes to the pub brilliant Ravens return. Best, so the Classic. best quote about this was um, somebody asked one of the royal aides about has she ever watched Corrie? And they said that Her Majesty is always kept abreast of what is going on in Coronation. 
and, and I laughed, but but then I remembered it's because Angela Kelly watches Corrie. She's a Corrie fan, so she speaks to, she's always spoken to the Queen about what goes on in Corrie. If you don't know what Corrie is, Coronation Street is, is it the longest running soap in the world? It's been going for like... I don't know whether it's the longest running in the world. Definitely. Well, I, I think it might be. But also a very appropriate name for the Queen to have an interest in, in terms of yes. it being Coronation Street. Mm. So, boom, boom, see what I did there. Maybe it was even started around then. Anyway, it's a whole, okay. other, whole other thing. 1960, to go 1960 it was on. Yeah, been a long-running favourite. Um, Prince Charles was talking about farming again. So, again, he, I don't know, he really seems to be um, engaging on that theme a lot. Um, and then August, Princess Eugenie's baby, August, his christening got postponed apparently because of... Um, <laughs> pings and things oh, so oh, had to yeah. um had to delay that one but um just before we finish i've got an important iron brew update for those listeners oh, who've good. been with us for a while um so the, a few a few weeks ago we talked about william and the queen's visit to the iron brew factory and um various people have been slightly intrigued by this including erin Sevilla, who says hello to Anne and russell love the podcast and also russell on the royal bear slash true royalty you know broadcasting oh, no, it pops up all over the place I spread myself very thinly these well days. indeed we're very lucky to have you with us Russell um, I'm just catching up and listening to your discussion on Iron Brew after seeing the Queen and Prince William at the factory I knew I must try I'm an American and was able to get a six pack on Amazon for less than $20 $20 I've de- I know I've decided that it tastes like orange soda brackets Fanta with a hint of cream soda it really is a nice taste though very sweet an entire bottle is a bit much for me however my 11 year old son thinks it's the best soda ever I, I currently you. have an order of 12 bottles on the way oh love, my god love the podcast greetings from Seattle Washington and then we've got a heart a mountain an umbrella with some you'll rain be, you'll which... be peeling him off the ceiling <laughs> Oh don't don't let him have it just before bedtime. I don't god. think it will go well. Don't so, let him have it on a Sunday because he won't come be off back to normal till the Wednesday. School holidays now, just about. It'll be fine. Um, is there anything that we have to look forward to in the next week? I mean, you and I will be together again next week, hopefully. I mean, virtually still, but yes. again, this is what counts us together these days, isn't it? But to it chat, does. It does. Yeah, what we've had our, our fixed for eighteen months. I'll see you again in the year. <laughs> Um, what is going on? Do you know what? It's going to be August soon, isn't it? So, I mean, I don't don't expect an awful lot to be going on in August because that is typically the time when um, they uh, they have it. It's they the have moral. Which was, which was which was silly of me to take my holiday in July. I should have t- taken it in August, like the royals. Just take some more holidays. I'm, I'm pretty down. You know, I'm so down to earth. I don't you know. Keeping, <laughs> keeping it real. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not, not nothing, nothing in the pipeline. But it's still early days. It's only Wednesday. Come on. Oh, and obviously there's a, there is a birthday coming up. We're recording this ahead of birthday photos being released, but we'll be sharing those. I am sure it'll be exciting to look at. And oh yeah, then we definitely get. We definitely get. I know there was some talk about um, William and Kate not putting out a birthday photo of George for his eighth birthday, but uh, no, that's not happening. He is definitely. They are putting out a photo, and it was to be because of the trolls and stuff. But no, come on. 
Yeah, bigger than that. So, well, we'll talk about that next week. Something to look forward to then. Okay. A nice, some nice jolly pictures. Right, um, listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Russell, thank you for catching us up on the Royal News. I mean, so much to talk about with Prince Harry's book. Woof. Um, listeners, let us know what you think um, over on the Instagram at PodSave or on Twitter, also at PodSave. We will be back next week. Until then, um, stay cool, stay safe, and stay well. And until next time... Pod save the Queen!